0: Kristen's the children's message and that anthem, I feel like um, we don't need this, but I sure do uh, hope you'll uh, you'll pay attention. If you have your Bibles, find Habakkuk. It's uh, And if you're the first one on the pew to find it, stand, and no, we're not going to do that. But... <laughs> It's not too far from the end of the Old Testament, Micah, Nahum, I know because I looked it up beforehand, Micah, Nahum, and then Habakkuk, and if you find it, we're going to read from the first chapter beginning at verse 1, and then keep it open, keep your copy of Scripture open because we'll come back to it in a few minutes. You know, it must, it must be difficult being the, the news director at a local TV or radio station or for a, a network news broadcast, especially if you have only 30 minutes to, to give the news. After all, what do you, what do you cover in, in 30 minutes? The, the list of things that deserve to be covered is, is so long there 's a shooting in Maine, another mass shooting, and eighteen people this time are killed and the the shooter can 't be found for two days and then there 's haiti the the poorest nation in the western hemisphere that 's imploding the the gang violence the the gang riots are f- threatening the very future of that of that island country and then and then there 's uh, Armenia being invaded by Azerbaijan and most most news cycles that would lead, but not. We, what are we going? Are we going to have time for that? And of course, there's Ukraine. A year and a half ago, when Russia, uh, at the at the orders of a ruthless, irresponsible dictator, invaded the sovereign land of Ukraine. Eleven thousand Ukrainians have been killed. Thousands of soldiers on both sides. And of course, there's Hamas and Israel, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But if you're the news director, how do you cover all the chaos, all the violence, all the injustice in the world? The people of Israel today are not the first Jewish people to, uh, to be heartbroken and to be dismayed over violence in their land. 2,700 years ago, a prophet named Habakkuk was dismayed, heartbroken and wondered how long would God wait until He did something. We read Habakkuk beginning at verse 1 of the first chapter. This is the introduction, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate? wrongdoing. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails, the wicked him and the righteous so that justice is perverted." It was as if he had written those words yesterday. He could have written those for, a, for an online newspaper, for a podcast. He could have written those this morning for we still wonder, we wonder still today. About the land of Israel, you know, three weeks ago yesterday when the terrorists of Hamas uh, crossed into Israel, they, they rained down missiles on Israel, then they emerged from the tunnels, and they even descended from the skies and and massacred 1,400 people, took 200 plus uh, hostage. And then, of course, there's Hezbollah up to the north and in uh, Lebanon, raining down missiles now, even now on uh, Israel so that they're defending their northern border. And Behind all that stands, of course, Iran and Syria and the prospects of a, of a, of a broadening uh, Middle Eastern crisis. The Middle East is a complicated place, and its, its problems are complex. Back in 2009, I was on sabbatical, spent uh, three weeks in Israel and I spent an entire day with a Palestinian Christian, a Palestinian man who is a deeply devoted follower of Jesus, lives on the West Bank, born in Bethlehem, and he said to me, my ancestors were those shepherds watching their flocks that night when the angels appeared. He talked about the difficult conditions in the West Bank, he he talked about uh, his heartbreak over the situation, and I spent a, a day with an Israeli man uh, to ask the same question: What is your perspective on things? And he talked about the land of promise. He said, "This land was given to us by God. It's not ours to give away." And he talked about how having a Palestinian state existing at the alongside Israel would would jeopardize Israel's security. And after those two days with. Those men with such differing perspectives, I understand why the, the problems are, are so complex, why uh, political leaders have, have tried, why diplomats have tried for decades to solve the Middle Eastern crisis without, without success. The Middle Eastern situation is complex. It is complicated, however, when, uh, when terrorists come into your territory, your sovereign land, and and massacre 1400 people, take 200 plus captive. That's not complex. That is not complicated. That is horrific. It is, um, it is in fact evil. Some believe that um, the recent attack on Israel from both Gaza and Hezbollah up in Lebanon, that this multi-front attack on Israel is a sign that the end uh, is, is near. In many ideas, theories about uh, the end of time, about the second coming of Jesus, Israel has a prominent place. And so whenever a big event happens in Israel, many wonder, is this the beginning? Is this, is this the beginning of the of the end? For example, in Matthew 24, Jesus was talking about the end of time, about his return that would usher in the consummation of history. And And he spoke in metaphorical terms, symbolic terms, about the budding of a fig tree. And he said, when the fig tree buds, then the end will come within that generation. We don't know exactly what Jesus was talking about in that reference to the budding of a fig tree. But a lot of people thought it was the... The establishment of the state of Israel in 1948. And so, since a generation is usually believed to be 40 years, many people predicted that before 1988 Jesus would come. When 1988 came, people said, this is the year. And when 1988 passed, of course, those prognosticators had to backpedal. But is this, this this multi-front attack on Israel, is this the... Is this the beginning of the end? Of course course I don't don't know. But one day Jesus will come. And one day history as we know it will come to its God-planned and dramatic conclusion. I know I'm wandering off into deep and mysterious waters when I talk about the end of time, because when the Bible speaks of the return of Jesus and the, the consummation of history, it speaks in mysterious, symbolic, poetic, dramatic terms. But there is coming a day when God will set things straight and make things right. I know that it feels like we have descended into chaos from which there's no recovery. It feels like we've gone down dark roads from which there's no return. But history is not wandering aimlessly. Uh, History is not meandering pointlessly. Uh, History is not drifting hopelessly. We are are on a path, history is, toward its God-planned and dramatic conclusion in the rotunda. Of the Library of Congress is this quote from the poet Tennyson One God, one law, one element, and one far off divine event to which the whole creation moves. There is an event in the future, how far off, I don't know, to which creation is moving. Nothing more certain appears on the pages of Holy Scripture. Out out here on our, our outer wall is the biggest piece of art in Huntsville, our mosaic. We call it the cosmic Christ. A lot of people around town, I think affectionately, refer to it as Eggbeater Jesus. It looks over Governor's Drive. If you look at it as you leave today, if you go that direction, notice that the crown above the Christ figure does not sit directly on His head. It is suspended in the air above His head. Now why would that be? It is a reminder, it is a dramatic reminder that although Jesus is Lord of the universe, we await the day of the establishment, the enforcement of His kingship on planet Earth. We await that He is King of the universe, but we await the day when His kingship will be established and enforced on planet Earth. Revelation 6-2 sits in the middle of a dramatic section of the Bible which speaks about the end of time and the return of Jesus. And it says, I looked and behold I saw a white horse, and its rider had a bow, an offensive weapon. And upon his head was placed the crown. And he went off like a conqueror, bent on conquest. The one who came as a a lamb will return as a lion, and that is a sobering, sobering thought. That one day the creator of the universe, he who set history in motion, will bring it to its conclusion and will set things straight and make things right. It is a sobering thought. There is a tenderness to God's love. There is a wideness to God's mercy. There is an amazingness to His grace, but there is a fierceness to His justice, and it is a sobering thought. Now, if your hope is in Jesus and not your own goodness, you have nothing to fear, but it's not going to be all handshakes and high fives when God brings history to its conclusion. It is a sobering thought. So we're headed toward this culmination of history, but now we live in the meantime. We live in the not yet of history. In fact, I wrote down, we sang a moment. Ago, we, we wait the consummation of peace forevermore. We wait for that. It ain't here yet. So we wait for the consummation of peace. We wait for the, the culmination of history. We live in the meantime in the not yet. And in this meantime of history, humans are capable of horrific evil. In this meantime, this not yet of history, awaiting its culmination, humans have the capacity for terrific, terrible evil within the lifetime of some people here. We've seen Germany's Adolf Hitler in his concentration camps, and Cambodia's Pol Pot in his killing fields. Many of us remember where we were on September 11, 2001 when the terrorists flew into the, the, uh, the World Trade Center and the, that field in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania and into the, the uh, Pentagon. We remember a year and a half ago when... When Ukraine was, uh, was invaded by Russia, we remember three weeks ago yesterday, always will. And now, for Israel, uh, October 7 is their September 11. We've seen the capacity that humans have for tremendous evil. This week, on Wednesday, the Wall Street Journal had a, a lead article titled, Your Periodic Reminder That Evil Is Real evil Israel, and I believe that behind these atrocities that we're seeing, there is a being, there is a personal being, a, a sinister mastermind, if you will. The, e- now the Bible even refers to him as the evil one, and the evil one drafts or enlists humans to do his bidding, for God has given us free will, the, the ability to choose good, and then by logic, the ability to choose evil evil. We live in a time in which the evil one still exercises his administration, if you will, over our planet. And sometimes it feels like God is not listening when we plead with Him to stop the madness. That's not new. Gideon asked, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Job, though I call for help, there is no justice. In the Psalms, wake up, Lord. Why do you sleep? Isaiah declared, truly you are a God who is hiding himself. And Jesus himself quoted Psalm 23, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God does not always live up to our expectations, and his timeline is not our timeline. Disappointment with God is neither new nor rare. So what do we do with that disappointment? We can lower our expectations. We can say, what they told me in Sunday school was, was hyperbole, it was too good to be true. We can say, God is either not good or He's not powerful, He cannot be both. That would be the wrong choice. The wise and mature choice is to trust our good, good Father, despite the fact that His ways are not our ways, and His timeline is not our timeline. Corey Ten Boom who wrote The Hiding Place said, if you're on a train and the train goes into a tunnel and it gets really dark you don't throw away your ticket and jump off the train. You sit still and trust the conductor. It feels like we've entered into a tunnel it's gotten really dark and in fact the light at the end of the tunnel seems a long, long way away. But we don't throw away our ticket and jump off the train, we, we sit tight and trust the conductor. When I talk about a topic like this, I often think about the late Paul and Nancy Avery. They were members of our church back in rural Kentucky a long time ago. Wonderful church, t- wonderful couple, they're both gone now. Nancy had experienced some difficulties in life, and she was rather skeptical. Now, she was a deeply devoted Christian, but she didn't just buy things easily. She had to ponder them. I let her borrow a copy of my, uh, 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 a copy, my copy of The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, of course, a devoted Christian, brilliant writer. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote the Screwtape letters, it's fiction. It's, it, it, it came from the imagination of this Christian writer, C.S. Lewis. But it's a series of these fictional letters from Screwtape, who's a, a senior demon in hell, to Wormwood, who's a junior demon wandering the earth trying to keep people from the loving influence of God. So he writes all these letters. He's the supervisor, Screwtape is, writes these letters to his supervisee. and he. And when I got that book back from Nancy, I saw the next time I looked through the pages, she had written in in the margin of one page, hmm, H-M-M-M. So I was curious what made her say, hmm, and this was it. Remember, senior supervisor demon writing to supervisee on earth, our cause, the cause of hell itself is never more in danger than when a human looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished, asks why he has been forsaken, and still obeys. One more time. Our cause, the cause of evil and hell itself, is never more in danger than when you and I look around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and we wonder how long, our oh Lord, and we wonder why we've been forsaken and, and we remain faithful. God sometimes seems absent. Admitting that is not a bad thing. Faith is the choice to be faithful even when, even when God seems to have vanished. And here's the good news. God is worthy of our trust. God is trustworthy. On the pages of Scripture, there's proof after proof that God is trustworthy. At the center of history is a cross and an empty tomb that declare God is trustworthy. In my life, and I'm quite sure in yours, there's indisputable evidence that God is trustworthy. His ways are not our ways, His timetable not our timetable, but God is trustworthy. That is enough to get you through a really depressing newscast. God is trustworthy. That is enough to get you through a long and painful night. God is trustworthy. That is enough to calm a troubled heart. Uh, God is trustworthy. So Habakkuk began, how long, O oh Lord, are you going to let this violence and chaos, how long are you going to let this go on? And just like all, so many writers of Scripture, God, where are you? It feels like you're asleep, and Habakkuk never gets an answer to his question. We wish there were somewhere in here where God says, I'll tell you what, write this, and twenty-seven years from now, everybody will feel better. He doesn't. But look at the end if you still have your Bibles open. Chapter 3, we begin at verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. And you could almost, if you imagine with, with me, this is not just bad luck, but it's a result of the, the chaos and the violence, the invasion. Fig trees burned over, the fields, are no food in the fields, Pe- been picked over by people. No cattle in the stalls, maybe they've been killed. I will still rejoice, he says, in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So you can imagine that deer out on the ledge walking without fear and without falling. He enables me to tread on the heights. And so Habakkuk never did get an answer to his questions. And think about it when you're a farmer and Olive Grove has no olives, and the fig tree is figless, and the grapevine is grapeless, and the cattle stall is cattle That's not just bad luck. It's, it's catastrophic. But he says, you know, I still am going to trust, and, and I'm not only going to trust, I'm going to be glad. I, he says, I'm going to rejoice. Now that's, that's pretty deep. I have questions for which there are no answers, and I wonder how long God is going to wait, and still I'm going I'm to sing, I'm going to be glad, because people of faith are people of hope, and people of hope do not despair. People of faith are people of hope, and people of hope do not despair. Do we get discouraged, of course, down, of course? But people of faith are people of hope, and people of hope do not despair, because there's one profound truth that, that undergirds this whole thing. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands he's got the whole world in his hands. Choir, show him how to sing it. He's got the whole orchestra sing. In his hands got the whole world. In his hands he's got the whole world. In his hands he's got the whole world in his I didn't tell you all to sing, but you sing it anyway. <laughs> So why don't you stand and sing like you mean it? Come on. He's got the Lord. all that hard leading leading that. (laughs) I hope you will leave here. Of course you'll see the news today, and some of you have chaos in your own hearts. But don't ever forget that the Creator of the universe is taking us to, to His point of culmination. And in this meantime, He's still got the whole world in His hands, and it is so sweet. To trust in Jesus, 507 is the hymn, 570 is the hymn we're going to sing. And we sing so that you will come, if if the Spirit of God is prompting you, maybe your heart is racing and you're thinking, I need to make a decision for Jesus and I need to go public. We sing for you. If you want to be a member of our church and you're already a follower of Jesus, we'd be thrilled to have you join your hearts and hands with us. And some of us are going to be waiting down here while others are singing just for you. Let's sing, please.